Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to West Indies on 99.94 Cricket Every Day. My name is Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt, one half of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. And with me as ever is the other half of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, Santolkin Aguilendrum. West Indies on 99.94 is your new home for West Indies cricket content and we'll be dropping into your podcast feed on YouTube or the 99.94 app several times every week. So rate, review, like, share, subscribe, all of that jazz. And thanks for joining Cricket's Conversation. Today on West Indies on 99.94, we're going to be talking about West Indian fans and the quest for El Dorado. Santoki, take it away. <laughs> Mash, we've decided to end the year with a bang. We've decided to look, confront the big topic head on. West Indian fans and their expectations. Now, the reason a lot of you might be asking, why is the title called The Quest for El Dorado? There's, there's a narrative in West Indian cricket, you know, fans... A lot of people who tuned in who aren't necessarily from the West Indies would have heard me and Michelle talk about the famous cuss-out, the cuss-out in West Indies cricket, where nothing is ever good, everything is going wrong, it's disaster apocalypse. And you feel there's an overall narrative where people are searching for a way for us to go back to the glory days of the 1970s and 80s when we were successful in Test cricket, at least. Um, And we're here to basically dissect that down and say whether that is an attainable goal. Now, Mash... I don't even know where, where, where do you want to start with this one? Let's talk about West Indies fans and I guess the mentality towards the West Indies cricket team. Yeah, for sure. And I think depending on who's listening to this, whether you're watching live or whether you're watching this on the repeat, etc., we've often heard that the only other international side who has fans as deluded as ours or as frenetic as ours or, um, as irrational as ours, I think the only other team that can can possibly challenge us is Pakistan, right? So obviously Pakistan have just taken a 3-0 lick down from England and their fans are in meltdown stage, pretty much like ours are. But the difference is our fans have been in meltdown stage for the last 25 years, uh, non-stop. So, and, that, and that's ultimately why, Santelki, we had to kind of call it the quest for El Dorado because I don't know what franchise team, and we'll look at West Indies as a franchise for argument's sake, um, I don't know what franchise sports team could be in decline for so long and yet still the fans treat them as if they should be a top-tier upper echelon side. And I'd be intrigued to know from fans of whether cricket teams or even from other sports or other, other sports, what other team has a history like that where they are in perpetual decline, but they still get cussed out as if they're top tier. Can you think of one off the top of your head, Santoki? It's hard. I, off the top of my head, it's, it's almost unprecedented, Mash. I think we need to ask a sort of deeper question. If a team is in decline for 25 years plus, as West Indies have, is it a decline at that point? 
how far does the decline go? Um, and I think that's the massive question because this idea of West Indies being in decline, as you rightly said, um, a lot of people who have tuned in um, on our social media accounts would have seen I posted up uh, a magazine from 1996, Caribbean Cricket Quarterly, which is, is a brilliant magazine. It was edited by Tony Cozier. There's a page in there, crucially, with fan opinions, and it literally reads like 2022. Um, so the issue came out when Richie Richardson had just been removed as captain. People are cussing out about Courtney Walsh being made captain, Clive Lloyd being made the coach. There's a cuss-out column from Michael Holden about how there needs to be more A-team tours and development opportunities. People are lamenting the end of West Indies cricket as we know it. Do the future generations have pride in West Indies cricket? And MASH, that is exactly what is happening 26 years later in 2022. So at this point, when, when does West Indies as a whole, our fan base, essentially stop using the term decline and just admit this is essentially our level where we are? There is no decline because... It has been so far since we were at the top as such. How can this still be a decline for so long? Surely such a long-term result, the results have been consistently poor for the past 25 years across West Indian cricket. So do we just stop calling it a decline at this point, Mash? Where where do we draw the line with that? Well, do you know what? I wonder if part of the issue is it's an age thing. And And again, I always say this, but I say this with ultimate, I say this with ultimate respect. And I just it's kind of like that thing where like, let me try and use some kind of football analogy, right? Um, People who saw Ronaldo R9 play, play football, right? Will always say, oh, he was the quote unquote real Ronaldo. Uh, The kids of this generation don't understand what they missed when the real Ronaldo was playing football and so on and so forth. And taking that kind of analogy and putting it towards West Indies cricket, right? We, have still got a fan base that has got older, that saw us be good, saw us be great, and they just can't let it go. They can't let it go. And my thing is this, franchises, and I think actually, Santoki, maybe this, I think what people find hard is that franchises go in cycles, right? We've had our cycle. We've had our dominance. We've had our cycle of utter dominance. But I think what possibly hurts West Indian fans is nobody can see on the horizon if we'll ever have a cycle of dominance again. Or not even a cycle of dominance, just a cycle of being good. No one can really see if that's ever on the horizon. And maybe that's what hurts them so much. But then the question I've got is, how comes you and I can accept it and just be like, well, boy, we just are where we are now. It, it, it is what it is. And we'll take the few wins we get here and there and take those as like um, positive signs for, for that moment. Why is it that the generation that saw us be good just can't accept that it is just what it is now? I think I think there's wider implications, Matt. As you said, it, it does tend to be, a, with, with, without meaning any disrespect, a, a generational thing. I think... Those of those fans who um, saw West Indian cricket in the 70s and 80s, that cricket just didn't represent cricket as a whole. It meant it sort of reflected, uh, you know, the Caribbean was coming out of independence from colonialism. Caribbean countries and people were trying to find their identity. If you speak to a lot of people from that generation, they said, you know, after West Indies um, done the famous blackwash of England, they could walk into work with their heads held high. It gave them a sense of pride. And I think that feeling has meant that, as you said, it's hurt them so much that they've seen this entity who gave them so much pride in yesteryear has sort of 
declined so dramatically. Whereas we've come along later. We've only known West Indies pretty much um, during the mediocre to poor stages. So we don't have any context for that fulfillment from West Indies cricket. So I do, I do kind of empathise with fans of that generation in terms of what West Indies cricket represented then compared to what it represents now. It's obviously, it would have been, if you were in the 70s and 80s, you probably couldn't have envisioned the day when West Indies are, are where they are now, you know, bottom bottom ranked test side, poor in the format and then um, just struggling generally. So I think I can empathise with that. But Masha, as we said, realistically, it's been going on for so long. Where do you draw the line, as we said? And I can, so whilst I can just, I can see where this anger has, has come from, it, it has been, it's, it is a long time to be angry, 25 years to be angry <laughs> at a team. <laughs> and I think it also hasn't helped that, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel for the past 10 years has been, we've been world-class and leading the, leading the format in T20 cricket. And that's given hope to future generations about how good we can be. But we've essentially mirrored what happened in Test cricket and we've rapidly declined in that. Other countries have caught up with us and excelled beyond what we could do in a format. So now, across all three formats, you're seeing a, a decline um, in results and performances. And so I don't really know. That obviously, the West Indian cricket fans, they're not... If they've been... If there's been a backlash for 25 years plus, I don't think it's going to end anytime soon. But do you think players, you know, stakeholders, those in administration are very, very wary of West Indian fans' uh, sensitivity and the cutouts that will come after performances? Mass. Let's just talk about sort of... Do you feel, especially in the past few years, the West Indian fan reaction to performances and players, has it affected the unity and coherence of West Indians on, in terms of their cricket performances? In short, yes. Because the one thing that we haven't touched on is the vociferous nature of the cuss out. To the point where, to the point where I almost feel people feel more comfortable with cussing the West Indies side. It's almost like that's where they get their energy. Like I sometimes I feel like we, we, we have a few talking heads in the media, some of which are ex-players who I almost feel like they wait for West Indies to lose yeah. because then they can they can go to the particular outlets and say yeah, they should do this. They lack pride. Back in my day, this uh, the whole of administration needs to be sacked. This change the coach, this change the captain, this. And I think what you and I often kind of like text between ourselves when those usual talking heads come out, come out to play after the next, uh, after the, the next West Indies defeat, we often say, but you've already made that point. You made that point five years ago. You made that point 10 years ago. In that time, we've changed captains. We've changed coaches. We've changed administration. And the same thing still keeps happening. So at some point, you have to look at some of these people and say, but are you a dunce? Are you a dunce though? Because if if I keep no, but it's true though. If I keep saying the same thing again and again and nothing changes, am I not a dunce for keep on repeating it? Then you have to you have to look at the system and say maybe it's not that West Indies cricket can't grow, quote unquote, grow again, but maybe the circumstances around it mean that we just have to accept that this is now the natural level and. I think to to kind of go back to the point you're you're trying to make, Santoki, it's about how long each individual can can accept that that is now the the, the natural level. Um, and I, I mean, we should probably take a quick break, but I've got a kind of controversial theory about what needs to happen in order for us to actually uh, for us to accept our natural level. Let's take a quick break. 
Hi, I'm Nikesh Raghani, commentator and host of the India on 99.94 podcast. Several times each week, my co-host Sarah Waris and I will be bringing you the very best in Indian cricket chat. Whether we're discussing the legend of Julan Goswami, KL Rahul's strike rate, the men's T20 death bowling woes, or the latest controversy involving the BCCI, we've got you covered. You can listen and subscribe via your usual podcast provider. Just search for India on 99. You can watch us via YouTube and you can download the 99.94 app. If you love Indian cricket, then join our conversation. So Santelki, history is important. Tradition is important. Respecting your elders is important. Um, You don't know where you're going if you don't understand where you came from. All of that. So I'm not going to try and pretend like all of that stuff isn't important. Boy, what I'm about to say is mad controversial, Santelki. Um, <laughs> do, <laughs> do we have to wait for the generation that preceded us to go away for us, for the next generation to look at West Indies cricket in the form it currently is? Because my, okay, let me start again. We can't rebuild West Indies cricket or try to reimagine it in its current context to improve if we don't accept where it is. And what I'm saying is the shadow that hangs over West Indies cricket of, but this, but that, but we used to be this and we need that. And until that goes, I'm not convinced we can start anew because we're we're forever. And that's why I've always said about the players that we've got, they are forever playing in the shadow of, Look what happened before you. We used to be good. You lot are no good. And that, that's what used to be the case in Test cricket. And it's about to be the case now for the next lot coming up in T20. It's forever going to be, but look what we did before. We won this. We won that. People couldn't beat us. We were the greats. You lot are no good. Until almost that generation goes, and I don't mean that in a negative sense, but until that generation goes, this the new the new generation generation X whatever we want to call them can't reimagine what West Indies is so we're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place we're almost in purgatory here we can't plot a way forward because we are hamstrung by our past is that harsh I think I think it's a, it's a valid point um in terms of of what you're saying I would take a counter argument match an interesting one is but do you think that generation are the last generation who were essentially uniting West Indies as a concept together as a team. Um, I mean, that, so I'm going to refer to that magazine again from 1996, where despite all the cuss outs, you really got a sense of the region being united. There was columns on Jamaica under 15s, Marlon Samuels performing, Sarwan performing for Guyana under 15s, and a sense that, you know, these are the guys coming up in the region. They're going to come together and almost like the Avengers play for the West Indies and bring us back. There's a sense of unity, but do you think we're future generations as this concept? Um, I know we've seen a lot of stakeholders say there needs to be education in the Caribbean about what West Indies means. But do you notice in sort of younger generations, and I'm, specifically if you're referring to players such as Shimon Hetmeyer, there is more pride for nationalism um, in terms of specific islands and countries rather than West Indies as an entity. So do you think in terms of as much as the, the older generation may cuss out West Indies cricket, they might be the last actual generation that believes in West Indies as a concept and future generations will have more loyalty to a Guyana or a Trinidad or a Jamaica than this unifying force of West Indies cricket match. What would be sort of, what are your thoughts on that? Do you know what? You raise a very good point there because 
But, um, and this is why the mag was it. Was, is it West Indies Quarterly Caribbean Quarterly? What was it called again? Yeah, Caribbean Cricket Quarterly. Carib- Caribbean Cricket Quarterly. Do you know what the missing piece is here? Tony Cozier. That's oh, the yeah. missing piece, yeah. right? And let me explain why Tony's the missing piece and God rest his soul. Tony Cozier did more than anybody in my mind, certainly from a media perspective, to stress the importance of West Indies, right? And the, look, you've got the Caribbean court, Cricket Quarterly as, as an example to show it, right? My point is this, who right now, you could say us. Who right now? <laughs> who right now does that? Who right now puts West Indies cricket at the forefront of conversation? And when I say West Indies cricket, I mean a cohesive union of West Indies cricket. And one of the biggest detriments we have is that, and you and I spoke about this uh, off camera, is where insularity comes in. So I've often critiqued and said that our media, cricket media, lets us down, present cricket media, right? Um, and but I, Specifically, I probably more mean print. In some senses, radio, right? Because I shouldn't have to read in Barbados today a focus just on the Barbadian players. I shouldn't be reading in Starbrook news about the latest escapades of Shimron Hetmeyer. I shouldn't pick up a Jamaica Gleaner and only read about Jermaine Blackwood, right? And all the while, and I get it, I get it. I'm not trying to say I don't understand why they do that. That we Ultimately, we are different nations, right? But all the while, we foster this sense of where's the why are there not four Guyanese in the West Indies test side? Why are there not three Jamaicans in the West Indies test side? Why why have Cricket West Indies done Shimron Hetmeyer dirty? All the while we keep it so insular, that's also, it's, it's also, it's, what am I trying to say? It's also not helping. It's, 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 it's fostering the cuss out culture. Yeah. It's fostering the... Is fostering this idea that the West Indies as a kind of team, as a union, is a waste of space because people are coming at it from an angle of you are doing our people dirty. Where's our set of players that should be in the side rather than trying to come together and rationally look at what is the state of play? I've long said, Santoki, if the best 11 players in the region are from Barbados, so be it. Like, it is what it is, right? But whereas other nations can do that, and like just pick their best 11 players and, you know, we win together, we lose together, whatever it might be. We have our own insular issues, which also drag the team down and almost add to the frustration that the, the fans feel and also then kind of add an, an extra layer of irrationality in looking at the West Indies as a team and where they're currently at. So I'll hand over to you. I've just found a way to best explain it. It's easier to hide behind, well, of course, the West Indies lost because they don't have seven Antiguans in the team than it is to look at, well, maybe the West Indies lost because we're just not that good right now. Do, yeah. do you see what I mean? Yeah. Firstly, I'm glad you raised the sort of the missing piece of the jigsaw, Tony, the late, great Tony Cozy. I, I especially came to mind when um, I saw the Australian commentators and medias kicking West Indies when we were down after the Test Series loss in Australia. And I was thinking... 
There was literally no one in print journalism who could defend the West Indian honour here. Back in the day, it would have been Tony Cozier coming back with an article defending the West Indies. Whereas at the moment, as you said, there's no one on a global level who sort of is defending that West Indian honour and uniting the region as a whole in terms of print media that's distributed internationally and domestically. And Mesh, I think you've hit the nail on the head in terms of insularity. It covers a lot of flaws within West Indian cricket. It's an easy escape. It's an easy go-to line. Oh, there's no Guyanese players in the side. That's why we lost. For me, I think the prevailing image for me, will all, despite all the chaos that's happened in West Indies cricket in 2022, the prevailing image for me will be the image of Shimron Hetmeyer in Guyana batting in front of about three fans while <laughs> he was missing the T20 World Cup, playing for Burbese County when he was meant to be playing in Sydney and Melbourne in front of thousands of fans in a pinnacle tournament for West Indies cricket. He chose, he missed the flights, he chose to play essentially on a broken-down pitch in front of about five fans in Guyana representing Bird Beast because, for me, that image represents the sort of prevailing insularity that's growing in the region. I feel a major player, Shimon Hetma is a world-class player, however people want to argue it. End of the day, he's a world-class player. Choosing to play for his local, not even country, not even Guyana, his local county in Guyanese domestic cricket, rather than representing the Maroon in a World Cup, in a World Cup. I think that for me has been the prevailing image because that is a shift. No matter how much you've cussed West Indian players over the years as a fan um, throughout the years, whenever we've had a Pollard or a Russell or a Sammy, they've always shown up for World Cups when it mattered in Maroon. So for me, it's shifted. With Shimon Hetmeyer missing a World Cup to play for Burbese County, for me... That is, a, that is a major statement, major visual image. And I think for me, that starts the trend of moving towards more and more insularity in the region, every island and nation for themselves, rather than being under this umbrella of the pride of the Maroon and West Indies cricket. Boy, Santoki, you must, not, you must never want to get into Guyana, you know. So uh, <laughs> whilst, whilst, I, whilst, I, whilst I process what you've just said, <laughs> let's take our last break and then come back and wrap this all up. I'm Daniel Norcross. And I'm Rory Dollard. And between us, we are England Cricket on 99.94. We'll be every week looking at the ups, the downs, the runners, the riders, the news and the views on all things English cricket. And believe you me, there are plenty of ups and downs. Join us, England Cricket on 99.94. So, Santoki, we're back. And a final segment. I guess we've got to call this part, so, so now what? Because at the end of the day, you gave it the title, the, the quest for El Dorado. How how do we resolve this? And I think what what's quite instructive is at the time of recording. So yesterday, um, Andre Coley was announced as an interim head coach uh, for West Indies going to Zimbabwe and um, South Africa. And in WhatsApp groups I was in, in Facebook forums I visited, uh, people that I know in the media most people's instant response was just to cuss and say, what are West Indies doing? Why is it not this? Why is it not that? And the few people that I spoke to in terms of trying to defend the decision, I was like, well, it's only an interim job. Like, obviously, they're going to wait for the the independent review and then they're going to try and give a head coach like a, a run-in and a, a clean slate and this that, and the other, right? But the Andre Coley thing for me just kind of showed where we're at, right? The not... what. Nothing can happen in West Indies cricket without the, the response is always going to be cussing. 
No, seemingly no matter what, right? And I guess that's why I say to you, so where do we go from here? Do we just have to accept that that is the nature of sports fandom, that there is nothing there is nothing your team can do? Like, they'll always get a cuss out. I mean, well, England aren't right now. Basball is winning the world and all the England fans are happy, right? But for West Indies, is there anything conceivably, this present iteration of West Indies cricket, both men, women, the youngsters, etc., is there anything that they can feasibly do that will not lead to somebody or sorry will, will not lead to the the mass majority of fans blaming it on this person that person cussing this cussing the players that asking for the president to change bring us a new coach bring us a new captain change these set of players bring this next next set of players are we doomed for this to continue santoki for the next 25 years how do we shift the cricket media and the cricket fandom to just to just find their peace find their peace and accept what's going on yeah no we're we're definitely doomed mash i think i think that's 100 percent certain i think i think the problem is mash as you as you alluded to earlier how people might use insularity to sort of cloak the failings within west indies cricket it's the same thing with the appointment of andre um coley a lot of people will cuss out and say why have we got this coach but at the end of the day you could get any coach in the world mickey arthur brendan mccullum they're not going to be able to get West Indies to win against South Africa and India. They're not going to be able to convince, try and motivate Shamar Brooks to score a double century against India, for instance. There's only so much you can do. So that, again, highlights perfectly, encapsulates the issues with West Indies cricket. Kohli's not the answer, um, Andre's appointment, but he will be blamed if we do lose to South Africa, most probably, as the reason, rather than looking at what were the overriding flaws in the side? Why why are we continually losing to bigger sides? And I think, Mash... As you said, with Basball, that uh, there was a lot of doom and gloom in English uh, with English Test fans. Um, that's changed around due to a run. It would essentially need West Indies to go on a similar one. They would need to go on an unbeaten streak in Test cricket to sort of win back fans and say, OK, West Indian cricket is back. Unfortunately, I don't know what your opinion is. I feel it would be similar to mine. I can't see us, at least in the next five, six years, ever going on a run of, of, of winning even back-to-back series. So... <laughs> let me jump in there because this is why i do think our fans have an extra level of irrationality though because this year just to take test for example we beat england right that was against the odds no matter what english fans yeah. try and say now about our oh, but england and joel root and this that, and the other that was against the odds right we battled in the first two tests licked them down in the final one then we beat bangladesh we're up santoki we're up <laughs> as soon as, as soon as Australia predictably slaughtered us, according to most West Indian fans, the test team was a waste of space. So, so, so how how do we escape that? How do we how do we escape that layer of, layer of irrationality which can't even look at individual series in the context of where they are. <laughs> There's no escape, Mash. You, it's the West Indian life. Listen, I can tell. I'll tell you exactly. I can tell you exactly what's going to happen. We'll get a one nil win against Zimbabwe. Sneak for a one nil win against Zimbabwe. The fans will be like, "Oh well, it's only Zimbabwe, guys. Come on, it's only Zimbabwe. We'll lose to South Africa." Why are West Indies playing Test cricket? Finish it up. Disband the West Indies. They lost to South Africa, and the Zimbabwe win will be ignored. So it'll be—it's basically a cycle. <laughs> it's a perpetual cycle <laughs> of irrationality towards our Test side. So, I, I like I said, the only solution is for West Indies to at least put together 
a run of, let's say, three series back-to-back where they win, then you can start altering fans' mentality. But until that happens, we're going to be saying, if we recorded this podcast this time again in next year or in the next two years, we'll have the same story, match. It's been going on for 26 years, at least. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to end with this one last thing. Um, and again, those listening on YouTube, I encourage you to to put your comments in afterwards, share this with people, etc. But Santoki, let's just say, right, I'm going to give you a scenario. Let's just say this unthinkable, although likely scenario happens next year. We go into the World Cup qualifiers for the ODI World Cup and we don't make it to the ODI World Cup. Do you think that's what will do you think that will be the thing that finally makes West Indian fans accept, oh, this is where we're at? Or do you just think that would still just lead to more cuss out? No, I think that will I think that will definitely be a, a watershed moment because I think the T20 World Cup, as much as we've underperformed, um, is still relatively a new format. But the majority of West Indian fans will have remembered a time before T20 existed. But the 50 over World Cup, I mean, it's the premier World Cup tournament, even amongst players now, because it was the original. West Indies obviously won the first two editions, 75 and 79. And that was that was critical for our sort of run in the 80s where we went undefeated, just the galvanising sense of winning the World Cup in England as well. So I think because of the legacy of the ODI World Cup and what it means to West Indian cricket, I think if for the first time ever we didn't actually qualify for the World Cup, I think that would be a massive, massive watershed moment in West Indies cricket. And the unfortunate thing is, at the moment, we're relying on other teams to lose, to, to, to avoid going into the qualifiers. I think realistically, if you were to give a balanced view... We it wouldn't surprise me if we did not qualify facing against the likes of Scotland, Zimbabwe, Ireland in those qualifiers. So it's a very realistic possibility at this time, Mash. Well, people, we've we've we've, we've, we've kind of traversed the different the different areas here of West Indian fandom and why we're so prone to not we we're we're not including ourselves in this, but why we're so prone to to cussing out and not accepting the reality of where the West Indies are at. Um, I reckon this will probably evoke some strong emotions. Um, It's not personal. If you took any of that personal people, it's not personal. We're just here to say that we do, we're just, I guess we're just here to say, Santoki, listen, let's just stop searching for the city of gold. Let's try again in a hundred years or something. We're calling off the search, people. We're calling off the search. Santoki, it's goodbye from me. Is it goodbye from you? Yeah, and as I said, um, we wanted to end the year end the year with a bang. We've we've addressed addressed a big, big topic. And all I can say, guys, you know, if you want to cuss us out about anything or you know, feedback about anything, you can see Michelle's handles there at Mash St. Paddy, just hit him up directly. <laughs> <laughs> Channel all your anger. I'm not involved with this. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for everyone on 99.94 who's been tuning in. Um this past six months to our episodes long may it continue into 2023 as always give us a follow at carry cricket social media twitter instagram drop us a message what you think and um mash i'll pass the last word over to you listen all we can say people is what we say at the end of every show stay locked in for more content peace West Indies on 99.94 is your new home for West Indies cricket content and we'll be dropping into your podcast feed on YouTube or on the 99.94 app. And we'll be doing that several times every week. So please rate, review, subscribe, share, like, tell anybody who needs to know. And thanks for joining Cricket's Conversation. 
Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix, dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.